to fund our kids' ministry for the year. And a lot of you were there, and a lot of you participated. And for like the 15th year in a row, um, I auctioned off four hours of a running buddy. So somewhere in my head, there's two people, because you need two at an auction, not just one to say, oh, I'll take that, because then you get a deal. Uh, two people makes it an auction. Two people who say, I would totally get fit if I had somebody to run with me. In my head, those two people exist. Um, and, and so what happens every year is two people kind of exist. I go like four hours of running buddy. Like my, my plan is the couch from couch to 5K, like that program. This is couch to 5K with PK. Like that, that exists. And, and every year I get bought for between 50 and $100. And for the last 15 years, I have never gotten a phone call. Right? Never has anybody said, hey, I'm ready to cash in. I got my shoes. I got my plan. And in a month, I'm going to go on a race. And I got about this much weight to lose and this many minutes to lose. I'm down. Let's go. That person has never existed. I am the gym, gym membership that never gets used. And it's great because it's a free donation. And I don't have to do anything except for this year. Uh, some friends of ours bought it. And they're like, instead of running, because seriously, who wants to do that? Um, we're going to go on a hike. So I thought, this is great. Instead of running and sweating and all that stuff, I get to walk. But here's the difference. Like, because you're thinking about this. Let's be honest, okay? Hiking is basically walking, right? With one massive difference. Hiking is walking with an accomplishment, all right? So a lot of you in here have probably hiked Half Dome. You stood on top of the dome, and you looked down at your accomplishment. That's a hike. Nobody has ever walked half dome, right? Does anybody say that? Hey, I walked half dome. Nobody? Nobody says that. Why? Because it's a hike. And even with little kids, like next, church will get out, and the kids get released from the nursery, or you go pick them up, or, or however that happens, because in our family, the kids kind of got released unintentionally. Uh, that's why they put up alarms at main campus where we were at the times. They were called Micah Alarms. Because my son's name is Micah, and he didn't like staying in kids' church so much. But little kids don't walk. Based on this definition, little kids don't walk. When your kid takes his or her first steps, he's not walking, she's not walking. She is hiking because it's an accomplishment, right? When you see a little baby, like, stumbling and all that stuff, letting their head carry them everywhere, they are hiking because there's an accomplishment. There's something that drives to it. Last week, we started a series, it's called The Miracles of Christmas, because Jesus coming into the world as God with skin on, moving into our world, isn't just a walk, it's an accomplishment. Not just for the fact that it happened, but what it changes, what it means, how it changes everything for you and for me. That because of what Jesus has done for all of us, looking at the work that Jesus has accomplished for you and for me is so much better than just walking half dome, getting to the top and looking down. Instead, it changes everything for us. And we're going to look at that today in a really simple thing. Usually on your bulletin, uh, there's, there's a few points and a passage and a QR code where you can do all this. This week, we're putting the whole passage right on your bulletin. And it's a few short phrases that I want to talk about today. And this is in Luke 1, 78 to 79. What's happened uh, is there's a rich person who we never meet, but we just meet his name. Uh, he's Theophilus, and Theophilus bankrolls a man named Luke to find out everything there is to find out about this person, Jesus. 
And so Luke goes around the places where Jesus lived and talked to the people that saw Jesus, that interacted with Jesus, whose lives brushed up against Jesus. And he's asking all these questions about Jesus who claims to be God with skin on. And at the very beginning of the story, there's a man named Zechariah and a woman named Elizabeth. And Zechariah and Elizabeth have a baby who turns in to be John the Baptist. And he's the one who prepares the way for the Lord. He's the forerunner. He's the hype man who goes all throughout the area where Jesus ministered and told people, somebody is coming. And this person is going to change everything. And so when John the Baptist is born, there's, there's this dual understanding that what's coming is going to be really, really great. And it's not John the Baptist. It's somebody that John the Baptist is going to talk about. And so when John the Baptist is born, his dad, Zechariah, is, is speaking under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like it's his voice, but God is telling him what to say. God is giving him a picture. God is reminding him of things that were written in the portion of the Bible that Zechariah grew up studying that are now going to be revealed and understood and finally seen in this man, Jesus. And it starts like this. It says, because of God's tender mercy. That's where it begins. Luke 1, 78, because of God's tender mercy. The first part, the first element, the first step in, in the hike to Christmas, in the accomplishment of God putting on skin and coming into the world is the fact that he chose to do it because of God's tender mercy. Like you read the Bible up to this point, and God's people Israel have managed to turn paradise in the Garden of Eden into living as slaves to the third different empire who has rolled over Israel. Like it is the opposite of what happens with pigs. Pigs eat trash and they turn that into bacon and sausage and pastrami and chorizo. And that is a, that's the world's greatest recycling plan ever. God's people up to this point managed to turn paradise into the third different country they've been subjected to, their third empire of living as slaves. And I'm sure this one will be different. But it's one of those moments where you get to see the, the goodness and the mercy of God. Because the only reason why God would come into the world and redeem his people Israel isn't because they deserve it. They're on their third different set of slavery to the third different empire. But it's because of mercy. It's driven by mercy. Mercy is what draws us in. Like if you think about it, Jesus is perfect. We talked about this last week. He's, he's perfectly merciful. And he's also perfectly holy and just and powerful. And the power amazes us. But it also frightens us a little bit. So a few years ago, um, I don't know if this is good immune system or bad parenting, uh, but everybody in my house got COVID except for me. Um, and, and there was a moment where we obviously had to make the decision, okay, the kids aren't going to school because it's not safe. They should be at home. And what are they going to do when they're at home that's safer than going to school? Well, we got a picture of this. This is what Micah enjoyed doing. Yes, uh, that is a nail gun. And he's still got all seven of his fingers. It's really, really good. 
But the thing that he loved about the nail gun wasn't the power about it. Because even from the womb, the kid hated noise. Like I was working with my dad and putting up some stuff at their house and we were using a nail gun and every time it would like shoot the stuff into the wall, he would kick Anna from inside the womb. So even before he was born, the kid hated noise. But he wants to get stuff done. So how do you get stuff done? You get stuff done with headphones on, like earmuffs to make sure the noise doesn't come through. And we're the same way. The power intimidates us. It chases us away. It frightens us. There's a moment where Jesus, he's been born. He grows up. He's over 30, and he's starting to do ministry, and he goes to a lake one day. And there's some men who have been fishing all night. And just like me, when I go fishing, they catch absolutely nothing. And so Jesus shows up, the stranger. He says, hey, how about you throw your nets onto the other side of the boat? And they're like, we've, dude, we've, we've thought about that. I don't know what bro is in Aramaic, but that's what they were thinking. We've done that, and it revealed nothing, like absolutely nothing. He says, well, well just, just try it. And they throw the nets on the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden, these nets that used to be empty, that were empty all night long, it was like Ken was on the fishing trip with them because nobody caught anything. They can't bring it up because it's so full of fish because there's power there. There's power because of God's tender power. No, that's not what it says. Because the power frightens us. It exposes us. And so that's what's happened. One of the guys who's all of a sudden got the biggest catch of fish he could ever imagine, he says, oh, Lord. He recognizes that there's something there. He says, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. That's his response to the power. It isn't, man, you're so good. Thank you for providing for us. It's, whoa, I didn't expect this. And this is from God, and I don't think God and I are on a good term right now. Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Because the guy had said, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Why? Because it's the mercy, it's the invitation that draws us in. Because of God's tender mercy, he leaves heaven to redeem a group of people that's on their third set of empire-driven slavery. Instead of being free under Jesus, they're slaves under Rome. And so Jesus came for them, for you, and for me. And that initiates the whole Christmas event Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Like, we we know what this looks like. I I took this last year, uh, not some far-off place, but this is Fresno, Clovis. Uh, That's a beautiful view over Lake Ponding Basin. Uh, And and the, the, that's right, second service will catch it. but, but the sun is about to rise, and all of a sudden there's light, and there's, there's hope. There, there's something changing that's going to come. And in the morning, we lo- or in the summer, we look at it, and we say, oh, it's the sun. And it's kind of like a stalker is back behind us again, because that's how it is in the summer when the sun comes up. You're like, oh, man, not again. But in the winter, it's like, yes, the sun. I'm going to be able to feel my fingers and my toes again. This is really, really good. Something good is coming. And in that, in this day, when he says the morning light is about to break upon us, this is Old Testament language saying that that Christ, God's anointed Savior, sent into the world to save men and women from their sins is coming. 
Like as, as Christians, we worship Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. We're not about anything else. Number one for us as a church, for Christians in general, is we worship Jesus Christ. But Christ isn't his last name. It's his title, right? It's not like his parents are Mary and Joseph Christ and Jesus Christ is born. It's God's title. He's the Savior sent to save the people from their sins. And this could only happen if Jesus died for our sins. And it can only happen if he first came as a baby. Like last week, we talked about the incarnation, about how God moving into the world, he comes in 100% as God and 100% as human to live like us, to put on meat, to put on carne, to put on muscle and bones on the person of God. And God came as Jesus to break upon us. Like those words are, are intentional. It's not just to live inconsequentially. It's not just to live like it didn't matter. Not just to live as a good teacher. Not just to live as something who's going to say some things and we're going to be like, yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. I'm going to keep living my life the way that I want to. But man, that's a really good saying. He didn't come as a sayings person. He came as a savior to break upon us in one of two ways. And that's every person in this place this morning. When, you, when all of us die, which will happen to all of us, we're either going to meet a God of grace who gives you and me better than we deserve. Why? Because it's the mercy of God. Because of God's tender mercy, you and I, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, what that means is that when Jesus died on a Roman cross, when he was executed as a criminal, it wasn't just a death for death's sake. It was a death to cover your sin and mine, that the ways that we had incurred God's wrath by living the way that we want to, regardless of the consequences, regardless of that, what that meant spiritually, regardless of what God had told us how to live and placed in our hearts how we're supposed to live. We did our own thing. We always have, we always will because we're rebellious humans. Jesus's death for our sake meant that the payment for our sins was not gonna be paid by us. It was paid by him. And when we place our faith in that, that his death was our death, that his life is our life, when we die, we meet a God of grace. And apart from that, we meet a God of justice who gives us exactly what we deserve. That's what justice is when there's a tragedy in the world, when someone is unjustly, undeservedly attacked, hurt, harmed, killed. We cry out for justice. And when we die and we see Jesus face to face, it's either going to be justice where we get what we deserve or it's going to be mercy and grace where we get what Jesus deserved, which is an invitation into life with God. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, then you can do that today. We're going to close in a little bit and you can raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. And someone's going to pray with you. You're going to meet Jesus today. You're going to move from living under a God of justice to living under a God of grace who loves you, who gave himself for you, who's calling you into a relationship with him. It's the God who breaks upon us either as grace or as justice because the morning light from heaven is coming. Why? To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And the miracle of Christmas isn't what God had to do. It's what God chose to do. We talked about it last week, that Christmas is a moment of us recognizing Jesus' obedience 
to God's mission to seek and save the world through him. Someone had to go. Without Jesus going, there's no forgiveness of sin. There's nothing changing. There's nothing where the morning light breaking on you and me affects anything because we're still dead and lost in our sins under the wrath of a God of justice. But Jesus came, and that ushers in and brings in forgiveness and grace and mercy. So we serve under a God of grace. We're ministered to by a God of grace. It's a moment for us to remember God's mercy for a lost world, which is you and me. It's the Messiah coming into the world, not just to show people how to live, but to show up on purpose, to guide us to a place of peace, to do exactly what he says to do. So that gives us two options. It gives us two things to think about. What's he do? He gives light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. That talks about placement and it talks about posture. Man, with placement for you and me, if you're the type of person you look at your life spiritually or just ask God, okay, where am I? And God who sees you and knows you and talks to you is gonna talk to you. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, you're living in a place of darkness right now. And Jesus brought you here because he wants to have a relationship with you. If you're here and you say, I have a relationship with Jesus, I've been forgiven of my sins, then that means that you live as light in a dark world, in a world that needs Jesus. If you look at the world and say, man, everything's broken. There's so many things that are going wrong and, and all this stuff. And, and if you don't feel that way, then open your eyes and wake up every once in a while. The coffee will kick in, and then you'll be able to see, man, we are living as light in a dark world. And what that means is that God, who's in charge of everything, sees you, knows you, knows what's going on in the world, and says, I'm going to put my best people here. I'm going to put the men and women who are made for this moment who are going to embody my church and empower my church and send my church light into a dark world the same way that Jesus came as light into a dark world to rescue men and women from lives away from me and bring them into lives with me. This is a season, and there aren't many like it, where we have freedom. We've got a different ability to invite men and women to come to church with us. It's Christmas. It's when Jesus came into the world. And granted, every single season is evangelism season. It's always a good week to bring people with you to church. But this is a moment where it's easier. It's always going to be around there. Just sometimes it's easier. This is one of those moments where it's easier. There's cards around all the seats that talk about Christmas Eve. And Anna will remind us as we head out today. Uh, but there's a couple of things that are happening around Christmas Eve. One of them is we're going to have a baptism. People are going to stand up here and talk about the Jesus who saved their lives and changed their lives. And then they're going to get baptized. I was talking with one guy this week and, and asking him about where he stands on this. And he's like, okay, so baptism. That's basically telling the world that Jesus saved me. I'm like, exactly. That's what it is. If you're here, you're out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, I'm challenging you on Christmas Eve right out there in the tank with the heater because everybody's already thinking that, no, I'm going to freeze in there and die. No, you're going to be like, open the top and there's going to be steam and you're going to be like, I chose the right day to get baptized. This is good. But you're going to tell the world that Jesus saved you from your sin. That the God who changes people's lives in the Bible still does that in Southeast Fresno at the God who rescues men and women from a God of justice 
through his grace is the same God who's going to do it for you. If you find yourself as placement sitting in darkness, today's the day to say yes to Jesus. If you find yourself as, as light because of who Jesus is, living in a world of darkness, today's the day to do something about that. To invite men and women who you know, who don't yet know Jesus, to join you for the 24th, to live on mission because you're now part of God's tender mercy breaking into the world to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. When we say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and mind, part of the change process that happens is we get excited about the things that God gets excited about. So if you're a Christian, you're already wired for this. No one is, I'm not a people person when it comes to evangelism. If Jesus lives in your heart, you're a person for this because he's gifted us for this and his heart becomes our heart as we follow him in mission. That's placement. A second thing is posture. Give light to those who sit in darkness. Now, there are times when it's right to sit. You sit when you're done. You get home after work. You go to your chair. You sit down at the table. You sit. You exhale. It's like the day is done. I'm good. Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Why? Because he's done. His work is finished. He's not on the edge of his seat biting his nails wondering if we're going to like actually say yes to Jesus. He says, I've done everything. I'm seated. I'm done. But the reality is physically, like if we take everything spiritual away from that, some of us sit because we can't stand. That's physically and that's metaphorically. And part of God bringing light into the world, what's he say? To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Him guiding you and me to the path of peace isn't metaphorical. Sometimes it's totally physical, totally literal. Where he says, you can't stand right now because there is so much trauma that's happened to your body. You can't stand. And so God heals us. There's so much trauma that's happened to us emotionally where we can't stand in confidence. Relationally, where things are falling apart and you'd say that relationship isn't standing. Intellectually, where we, because of stuff that's happened or because of the way that drugs have affected us, we can't think about things the same way anymore. We can't stand intellectually. We can't stand sexually because of the way that, that the gift that God gives us around sex is has been manipulated and used poorly in our lives and to us without our choice. We can't stand, and, and it's the same thing. Where God says, I came to give light to those who sit. Not that sitting is bad, but when you really want to stand, you don't want to sit anymore. And if that's you and you look at your life and you think, man, I, I, I'm tired of not being able to stand physically. I'm tired of not being able to stand emotionally where I feel like everything's always falling apart. I'm tired of not being able to stand spiritually and understand the freedom that Jesus says he's gonna bring. Where I feel like I've been oppressed by the demo demonic. Tired of not being able to stand sexually and not have my past continue to follow me into every relationship and every conversation. All these different things. What did God come to do? Because of God's mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us where there's a change to guide those who sit in darkness 
to guide us to the path of peace. God's here today. He didn't just show up to live and die and then go to heaven and just hope that we get it. He did that to leave his Holy Spirit, to do the work that Jesus did and even more for you and for me. And where we need it today, God's on the move. Let's stand and pray.